Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. I'm stuck on some things regarding the subject of healing, concerning the subject of healing. And I've discovered over the years that that means that I haven't seen everything in there that the Lord wants me to see about something. So I don't study something else. I don't go to something new. And I've learned not to teach on something new, but to say on the same thing and keep teaching it until the light comes that he wants me to see. So we're, uh, we're going to start again with some things that we've been talking about here recently. Beginning in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it said, Then he, Jesus, called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them certain instructions, but if you'll skip down to verse 6, it tells us the results. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. One of the things that uh, that the Lord has really been impressing upon me more and more of late is that Jesus did not tell the disciples to pray for the sick. Jesus did not tell the disciples to ask God to heal the sick. Jesus told the disciples to do something that is, well, if you say it, you're considered a heretic. People get mad at the way that you say it, but, if, but, but I'm really just saying exactly what the Word says the way the Word says it. He told the disciples to heal the sick. He didn't say, now you go where I tell you to go and God will heal the sick through you. The modern day church seems to be so intent on, well, how do you say this? On not taking any credit for what's done but ascribing every bit of the credit and all the glory of everything that's done to God, that we fall all over ourselves and fail to realize what we've been instructed and commanded to do. Jesus told the disciples to heal the sick. The Holy Ghost said they went everywhere and healed the sick. And certainly we know that they did that by the authority that Jesus gave them. It says he gave them power. In verse 1, let me read it again. He called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So the power was given to them. Now, what was that like? Did they all of a sudden start to glow? I mean, if there was some kind of special anointing service where Jesus transferred power to them, the Holy Ghost sure... Didn't see fit to tell us what it was. He just makes a casual statement of fact. He gave them power and authority to cure diseases and to cast out devils. If there was some kind of physical manifestation associated with it, or if there's some kind of physical result that occurred because of this power and authority that was transferred to them, then why didn't the Holy Ghost tell us that Peter said, Wow, I feel power surging through all of my body. Why didn't one of the disciples, or at least say to one another as they went on their way, why didn't they, somebody at least have a discussion about, man, did you feel that when he told us that we had power to heal sickness? There's no mention of it whatsoever. Now, if that was the case, if there was a physical manifestation, a physical feeling of power 
and the Holy Ghost didn't tell us, then he's done us an injustice. God's not been honest with us. Because if we're to know that we have power to heal the sick because of a physical feeling or a physical result from authority and power and authority being transferred to us, and we're not told about it, then how are we supposed to know? Folks, there's only one thing that we can conclude that lines up with the way the Bible says it. And that is when God gave them, when Jesus gave them, conferred to them power and authority to cast out devils and to heal all manner of sickness and disease, they didn't feel anything any more than you feel when you read that you have the name of Jesus and authority over the devil. But notice they used it. Now Jesus did not tell them Go into the cities, and if you feel like it, if you have some special feeling, or if you sense the anointing, then heal the sick. There's only one criteria that he placed in any of the places where Jesus delivered authority to the 12 or the 70. There's only one thing that he said is, if they receive you. That's the only criteria. If they receive you, then heal the sick. And so they're operating as if Jesus has commanded them to go into the cities. The people of the cities have a choice. If they reject you, then there's nothing you can do but tell them the kingdom of God was close. The power of God was available to help you even though you rejected it. But if they receive you, then heal the sick. He didn't say heal the sick unless you find somebody that's sick because of their own sin. He didn't say heal the sick if there are minor cases of illness. But leave the big ones for me. I'll follow you later. He makes no distinction whatsoever between sickness or the people who are sick. He commands them, if they receive you, heal the sick. Now who is it to do the healing? They are. That's where you get in trouble. Because the modern day church doesn't want to act like anybody's got the power to heal the sick. That's God's power and God's alone. But if it's God's alone, why did Jesus give it to the 12? It says very clearly in verse 1 that he gave it to them. So it must not be God's alone. And not only did he give them the power to heal the sick, he told them what to do with it. Heal the sick. He certainly didn't leave it into their hands or up to them to decide who was worthy of healing and who wasn't. He didn't leave it up to them to decide who should get it and who shouldn't. He placed one criteria, one requirement on the power being exercised, and that is, if the city will receive you, heal the sick. Well, maybe this is just a unique case. Maybe this is a, an error in translation. Maybe God said it in a different way in other places. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, it tells us that he took, to him, took unto him the 70. We'll start in verse 1 and then skip down. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. 
And then he gave them certain instructions. Part of the instructions he gave them was to um, go into the cities of the Jews, not the Gentiles. Notice it says in, uh, well, let's better read verse 8. And into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you. Here's the requirement. Same one as before. If they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick that are therein. It's a command, folks. Heal the sick that are therein. Heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. The same thing is true in this case as it was in Luke chapter 9. He does not make any requirement for somebody to be sick, absent of any sin on their part. He doesn't reserve healing for those pious individuals that are sick. He doesn't make a restriction of any type on the kind of sickness or the severity of sickness or the length of time somebody's been sick. It almost seems like God's against every sickness, no matter what the cause or how severe it is or how long somebody's had it. Well, again, maybe this is just Luke. Maybe this is just the way Luke said things. I happen to like the way that Luke said things for one reason, and that is Luke is identified as a physician. So he seems to give us some insight on sickness and disease that some of the other gospel writers don't. But let's check with them. Look to Matthew chapter 10. Let's see Matthew's account of Jesus commissioning the 12. Verse 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And it tells us the names of them. Verse 5 begins with the instructions. He said, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and in any city of Samaritans enter not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know that from what's uh, referred to as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is referred to as where the will of God is done in the earth just like it is in heaven. Jesus taught them to pray, didn't teach us to pray this, because we're not in the same position as they were. Jesus taught them to pray, thy kingdom come, which means it hadn't come. For us, it has. But he taught them to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. That's the only place where you can find a definition of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, where the will of God is done in the earth just like it is in heaven. But if you think it through, that makes perfect sense. Because kingdom means realm or domain. The fact is the kingdom of God means the realm or the territory or the boundaries under which the will of God is done or under which or which comes under God's rule. So Jesus is saying to the disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come so that the will of God could be done on the earth just like it is in heaven. And that's what he attached to the healing of the sick. Preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and heal the sick that are therein. Heal the sick that are therein. He's commanding them. He's not saying, now you can heal the sick. 
if the conditions are right, you can heal the sick. No, he's saying, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. So for the disciples, according to both Luke and Matthew so far, healing the sick is a commandment. It's a matter of obedience. And again, Jesus didn't say, I'll heal the sick through you. He said, I'm giving you the power so you heal the sick. Well, John doesn't say anything about the apostles being commissioned. John was the last one to write the, his gospel. And he knew that had been covered in the others. But, Matthew, but uh, excuse me, Mark tells us something in chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now, it doesn't say a word about healing sickness or disease. And he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey except a staff, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats, travel light. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. And whatsoever shall not, and whosoever, excuse me, shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out. Here's the result of them acting on what Jesus told them to do. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with all many that were sick and healed them. So they seemed to understand, even though it didn't spell it out in verse 7, they seemed to understand that the power that they were given by the Lord Jesus included healing power because that's what they used. They used healing power and brought about healing from disease conditions. Again, They're acting as a matter of obedience. The only times that the gospel tells us that Jesus commissioned the disciples, whether it's the 12 or the 70, to do the work that he sent them to do, it includes, either in the instructions or in the results, the healing of the sick that took place at their hands. Let me ask you a question. When did God change? You know as well as I do, the Bible says God never changes. But he must have. Because there's nobody in the church world. Well, I don't want to say nobody. We do. But percentage-wise, there are very few people, very few churches, that claim that we have the same mandate to heal the sick that the disciples did. How come? Well, religion tells us that things changed when the last apostle died. That the apostles had that kind of power to do the same healings, the same miracles 
Same kind of stuff Jesus did. But when that, when the last apostle died, that all passed away. Well, where does that say that? Where does the Bible say that? You can't find that. But you can find places where the Bible gives us the church the same instruction that he gave the disciples. You can find places in the Bible where Jesus said, the works that I do show you do also. And not just you, but I'm talking about those that will believe on me through your name, which includes all of us. Now, there are certain things for us to realize. The requirement for receiving him or them is of utmost importance. And we need to realize that not everybody that came to Jesus was in faith. We know in, for example, in Mark chapter 5, tells us the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She heard of Jesus and came in the press behind to touch his clothes, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Well, she did. She made contact with him. And the power of God went out of him and into her, and she felt it. She's one of the few people in the Gospels that tell us that the the, the, the Gospels tell us that she felt anything when they made contact with Jesus. That doesn't mean that there were others, but the Holy Ghost doesn't emphasize it for us. Well, we shouldn't emphasize what he doesn't, in my opinion. Nevertheless, she felt the power of God go out of him and into her. He felt the power of God go out of him and into her. So he stopped and said, who touched me? Finally, after some period of time, they figured out who it was. She comes and tells him all the truth. But one of the things that Jesus asked the disciples when it occurred, when the healing power went out of him, he said, who touched me? And the disciples responded, everybody's touching you. The multitude throngeth thee. That's King James English for saying, everybody that can reach you is reaching out to touch you. See, folks, everybody heard pretty much the same thing. They heard that when people came in contact with Jesus, miraculous results occurred. Yet the woman with the issue of blood is the only person in the crowd that got anything. Well, Jesus says that the reason she got something and nobody else did was because of her faith. He says in verse 34 of of Mark chapter 5, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He didn't even say the power of God's made you whole. He says, your faith has made you whole. Now, what distinguished her from the rest of the crowd? She received what she heard of him. She accepted what she heard of him and received it for herself, acted on it and got miraculous results. But however big the multitude is that's thronging Jesus, that's reaching out to touch him, takes hold of him, bumping into him, whatever the case is, apparently there wasn't anybody else in that crowd but her that reached out to touch him in faith. Apparently there wasn't anybody else in the crowd, even though the whole crowd had heard about him, and that's why the crowd was following him, jostling up against him, reaching out to touch him, scrambling over one another and clamoring to get to him. Apparently they didn't receive him. So there's a difference in hearing about him, even going to his meetings and receiving him. Would you not agree? That's the only conclusion we can come to. Therefore, it tells us that not everybody that came to Jesus was in faith. We've got an example in Mark chapter 9 where the father brought his son to Jesus who was possessed of the devil. And Jesus wasn't there and the disciples have tried to use the authority to cast out the devils, to cast out devils that Jesus has given to them and they couldn't make it work. Jesus 
can't make it work until he gets the father in faith. He has the wisdom to realize the father is not in faith and that's the only thing that can keep the power from working. And so he speaks to the father and says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. He gets the father in just the edge of faith, seems to me. When the father says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That was enough for Jesus to cast the devil out of his son. So Jesus had to work with him specifically to get him in faith. Or to get him in what he refers to as receiving him so that he can do the work. We know in Mark chapter 6 that in his own hometown of Nazareth, he couldn't do any mighty work because the city didn't receive him. He was able, unable to do any mighty work. doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. Mark 6, 5. And he could there do no mighty works. Savor, except he laid his hands on a few sick folks. That means folks with minor ailments and healed them. Now, there were other people that came to Jesus or that Jesus came in contact with that he asked them questions to determine their faith. In Mark chapter... In, uh, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 9, it tells us after Jairus' daughter was healed, raised from the dead, it tells us that there were two blind men that followed Jesus, crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. They followed Jesus to the house that he went to, and when they were coming in, Jesus said, What would you have me to do? And they said, Lord, that we would receive our sight. And Jesus asked them a question. He, he said, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord, we do. He said, be it unto you according to your will. And their eyes were opened. So there were times where Jesus questioned people's faith. There were times where Jesus made somebody declare their faith. There were other times where somebody just demonstrated their faith. And Jesus acknowledged it. Now, there was one case in Matthew chapter 15. Where a woman's will to receive, her willingness to receive what she heard about Jesus, crossed the boundaries that Jesus had established for the disciples. Why don't you look with me over to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15 tells us the story of the the Syrophoenician woman or the Canaanite woman. We'll start reading in verse 21. It said, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Anytime you see somebody in the Gospels calling Jesus son of David, that means they recognize. It's an acknowledgement of Jesus being the Messiah. She's literally saying, I believe you're the Christ, the son of God. Well, that's good, but is that going to help her? It doesn't immediately. Verse 23 says, But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. What that means is she's bothering us. She won't give up. She won't quit. Now, she's not a Jew. She's probably a half-breed Jew. She's probably one of the Canaanite nations that the Jews have intermingled and married with, intermarried with, which was against the law of Moses. 
Not because God favors one person over another, but because the law was given unto his people, not the rest of the world. So verse 24 tells us, Jesus answered and said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he's saying, you're a Gentile. I can't help you. Now, he doesn't seem to say it to her, but she seems to be right there. Because she comes and worships him. In response to Jesus saying, I can't help you. I'm sent only to the Jews to begin with. She comes and worships him. Saying, Lord, help me. Now, folks, I want you to realize she said two things. She said, I believe you're the Christ, and I'm asking you for mercy. And now, secondly, she's saying, Lord, help me. Neither one of those does the trick. Because neither one of those are a substitute for faith. Jesus answers in verse 26 to her saying, Lord, help me. And says it's not meet or right or appropriate to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now what is she looking for? She's looking for deliverance. Deliverance and healing are on the same level. So notice what Jesus says. Jesus says that healing and deliverance are the children's bread. They belong to the children. Now he's saying the children at that point in time were the Jews. But aren't you and I children of God now? Well, when did healing stop being the children's bread? If healing has ever stopped being the children's bread, then that means God's changed. If God's changed the Bible's a line, we might as well throw it away. Thank God it never changes. Healing is still the children's bread. So Jesus answers and says, It's not meat or appropriate to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, folks, I want you to realize she's been rebuffed three times for three different reasons. Three times by Jesus himself because she's not a Jew. It's not that God didn't care about her. It's not Jesus didn't have compassion on her. It's that it's not the time for for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. He was sent first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles later. She happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time according to the things that Jesus said to her. But does that stop her or slow her down? Not a bit. She continues and answers and says, Truth, Lord. Everything he says is true, by the way. She recognizes that. She says, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee, even as thy wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So I want you to see something. The criteria that Jesus establishes for the disciples, the 12 and the 70, is the same criteria that's operating in his ministry, same requirement that's necessary in his ministry where healing and deliverance is concerned. And that is someone has to receive what they hear about Jesus or another way of saying that is they have to come in faith and one woman coming in faith overcame the timeline that God had set for Jesus' ministry she crossed the barrier that was preventing her from receiving 
that God himself said because of faith. Now, here's the question. If faith would make God change his timeline, what would faith not do? Where are the limits on faith? Jesus said all things are possible to him that believes. Jesus said if you ask anything in my name, in faith, I'll do it. He said whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Jesus said there's no limit to faith in prayer. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Where are the limits of faith? You can't find God setting one. Now without question, people get out in left field where faith is concerned. They start believing for things that the Bible doesn't promise. And God's under no obligation to answer or hear what somebody considers to be faith that goes beyond the word. But he sets a pretty wide target. What things soever you desire. Now with that in mind, and again, healing is a product of obedience for the disciples. Look within Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. And up, this is after the resurrection. And upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Now does one person have a greater lock on the name of Jesus where authority is concerned, authority over the devil is concerned, than somebody else? Doesn't the Bible say that authority has been given to all of us over the devil? It does, doesn't it? Jesus said, whatsoever you ask, if you ask anything, call for or require anything in my name, I'll do it. Well, that would include authority of the devil if we didn't have any other scripture. So we don't ascribe that first sign as to be a special sign for certain people. Now, we don't have authority over the devil to make him leave the earth. Wouldn't that be nice if we did? But you can make him leave your part of the earth. Even if it takes a while for him to go. So he said, in my name, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. First sign is they'll cast out devils. What's another sign that follows those that believe in his name? They shall speak with new tongues. Now, I know there's some part of the church world that believes that's for a certain few, not for everybody. But we know the answer 
We know the Bible answers that question for us. As is the baptism of the Holy Ghost is available for any believer, anybody that's saved. And we know the baptism of the Holy Ghost is evidenced by, or the result of being filled with the Holy Ghost, is to speak with new tongues or speak with other tongues, whichever way you want to say it. So here Jesus is saying that one of the signs that will follow those that believe in his name is the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in, new t- in other tongues. We know that's not for a select few, even though the whole of the church world doesn't know that. We know that the Bible's very clear. Jesus is the one that said, if you know how to be good fathers to your children, how much more shall your father give the Holy Ghost to them than ask him? It's for everybody. There's no certain ones that have a lock on that sign of speaking with new tongues. So here's two. The first two that are mentioned of the signs that follow those that believe in the name of Jesus that we can clearly conclude that belong to everybody. Now, the next two are a little bit different. One is talking about taking authority over the devil again. They shall take up serpents. The next one is if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. The last one is divine protection. Well, you don't need divine protection every minute of the day, do you? But there are times where you will. And Jesus seems to be saying, in those times where you need divine protection, don't worry, you'll have it. But again, the same principle is true. It would belong to everybody, not just a few. Where he talks about taking up serpents, that's just another way of saying they'll exercise authority over the devil. Again, that's for everybody. So that brings us to the fifth and the last of the five signs that he said would follow those that believe in his name. Notice he didn't say these signs shall follow those that are called to the ministry. He didn't say these five signs shall follow those that have a special anointing on their life. He said these five signs shall follow those that believe in his name. Folks, I would submit that if you're saved, you believe in his name. And notice what he said the last sign would be. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He did not say they lay hands on the sick and they might recover. He didn't say they lay hands on the sick and every once in a while somebody would get well. He didn't say they'd lay hands on the sick and everybody would be instantly healed. That's not what recovery is. But he did say that they would lay hands on the sick and the sick would recover. In other words, there would be a transfer of healing power. And nowhere in this list, nowhere in Jesus' instruction, is there any indication that they'll feel anything at any point in time. I don't know about you, but I don't feel anything when I speak in tongues. Now, if I speak in tongues long enough, I'll feel something afterwards. It'll have an impact on my physical being. But I don't feel anything when I speak in tongues. I don't feel anything when I exercise authority over the devil. Why should I expect to feel anything when I lay hands on the sick? Yeah, but Pastor Mike, we've heard stories of when people lay hands on the sick, there's a charge of electricity that goes out of one person into another. 
Well, that's great, but Jesus never said you'd have that. I rejoice in those testimonies just like you do. But I'm not going to build a doctrine on them. Amen? So is Jesus or is he not conferring on the church? Again, it's not the disciples. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. There's not a time period on that. There's not an expiration date on that. As long as anybody on the earth believes in his name, these five signs are available. Are they not? And one of those signs would be healing for the sick. Now let's keep reading, see what happened after Jesus told them these things. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. Now notice the word them. If you're reading in the King James, the word them is in italics. That means the translators added it. Now I don't really know why they added that in this place. Unless they thought that it made better sense in the English language. But that's not what it says. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word. See, as long as they're preaching the word, he's working with them. But the instruction that the Holy Ghost has given us is that God works with his word. Now, why is that? Because receiving the truth of the word of God concerning Jesus and concerning healing as being God's will is necessary today just like it was necessary in Jesus' ministry, just like it was necessary in the ministry of the 12, just like it was necessary in the ministry of the 70. And that's the only criteria that you can ever find in the Bible, the only requirement that's ever made. So they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. Now what do those signs following mean? That means everywhere they preached the word, people cast out devils. It means everywhere they preached the word, people spoke with new tongues. That means everywhere they preached the word, when divine protection was necessary, they had it. Everywhere they preached the word, authority was exercised over the devil to, to break his power over others. And everywhere they preached the word, hands were laid on the sick and the sick recovered. Folks, I would submit to you that the church today has the same mandate as the 12 had in Jesus' ministry and the same mandate that the 70 had in Jesus' ministry, the same mandate that Jesus had, and that is to declare and show that healing is a part of the kingdom of God and that it's a matter of obedience on the part of the believer, not a matter of, or a question of power. It's a matter of obedience. We've been commanded to heal the sick. I'll prove it to you with one, one last scripture, and that's over in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. The only instruction that's given for healing in the local church is James chapter 5. Beginning in verse 14, he says, Is any sick among you? Well, among who? Among the church. James writes this to the 12 tribes, the Jewish Christians that are scattered abroad because of the persecution that arose in the days of the early church. 
Some fled from Jerusalem to Judea. Some fled to Decapolis. Some fled to Rome. Some fled to some of the other Gentile parts of the world following Paul's ministry and after churches were established there. So he writes to Jewish Christians that are scattered all over the world. And he says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Now, elders of the church implies that he expects them to have found a body of believers somewhere wherever they went and to be part of that body. In other words, he expects them to be part of a local congregation. So he says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith might save the sick. And the prayer of faith has a good chance of saving the sick. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, if you look up this word save, you're going to find out it's the word sozo, S-O-Z-O in the Greek. It means a number of things. It means to heal. It means to deliver. It means to preserve. It means a variety of things. Well, he's talking about sickness and disease and deliverance thereof. So he's got to be talking about healing. This is the same word that's translated whole in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus says in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Well, Jesus is saying that the woman's faith healed her, isn't he? So this word obviously includes healing. Well, since that's what he's talking about, that's the subject. Let's read it that way. Now, I don't know why the translators translated it the way they did. Maybe healing was such a taboo subject in his day, the day of the translators. They tried to stay away from it altogether. But the prayer of faith doesn't save the sick in any way other than saving them from sickness. And the only way to be saved from sickness is healing. I don't know why they didn't come right out and say it. But that's obviously what it means. So notice it says in the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if, 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 if. Don't think that every sickness and disease is caused by sin. But there are some cases where it is. But even in those cases and if he's committed sins they shall be forgiven him. It doesn't even take a different kind of prayer. The same prayer of faith that heals the sick forgives sin. Now, as I've said before, and forgive me for repeating myself, but not everybody knows this. There's two times the word pray or prayer is in these scriptures. One is where it says to call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Pray over the sick. Pray over the sick. That word means oratory worship or vocal worship. It literally means... Instead of making a request like we usually think of in line with the word pray. It's not telling the church or the elders to pray or request anything. It's saying to worship God with and over those that have come. What for? There's only two forms of oratory worship or vocal worship. One is praise and the other is worship. Praise is thanking God for something he's done. Now, what would we thank God for something that he's done regarding the sick? Well, Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for sickness and disease. He took your infirmities and bore your sickness. That's something to praise God about, isn't it? It is if you're sick. What about worship? Worship is a response 
to what God's done by manifest or magnifying who he is. Well, what is there to magnify about who God is regarding the sick? He is our healer. So here where it's saying, and they shall pray over him, the elders shall pray over the sick. It literally means they shall recognize the price that Jesus paid for sickness and disease and to magnify God because Jesus is our healer. But another word is used in verse 15 where it says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. This word prayer is not the same word for pray in the previous verse. This word prayer means vow or declaration. It does not mean request. It means the vow of faith or the declaration of faith. I've used this example before because this is the best one I know to come up with. If I make a vow to serve God, I'm not asking him to do anything. If I vow to God that I'm going to serve him all the days of my life, I'm just saying this is the way it is for me. This is the decision that I've made. This is the declaration that I'm making. This is the vow that I'm entering into. So here where it says the prayer of faith, it means a vow or declaration. Notice it's a vow or a declaration of faith. Belief in what God has done through Jesus in his work on the cross. Believe that healing was accomplished through the finished work of Jesus. So let's read it again. Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray. Praise God and or worship him over the sick anointing with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith, the declaration or the vow of faith, declaration or vow of that which Jesus has done, shall heal the sick, shall heal the sick, shall heal the sick. Now, folks, I've, I've, I've got to ask you a question. How does James know that the pastors or the elders of the churches where everybody's been scattered to have special healing anointings? Maybe he knows of a a pastor in Samaria that has a special healing anointing. But he doesn't say call for the ones that have special anointings. He doesn't say call for those that have special healing ministries. He says this is the way it has to work in every church. This is the way it's supposed to work in every church. Which means every church, every pastoral ministry has to have something from God the power to cast out devils and to heal disease, sickness and disease in order for this scripture to be fulfilled. That means that every church has a healing anointing. Every church has a healing mandate. Otherwise, it would be impossible for these scriptures to be f- true and or fulfilled. Every church has a healing mandate. I would submit the church is falling way short on what we've been mandated to do. Even the question that James asked by the Holy Ghost in verse 14 implies that there shouldn't be any sick in the church. Is any sick among you? You wouldn't write that to churches nowadays. You'd write the 50 or 60% of you that are sick, here's what you need to do. But he implies that there shouldn't be any sick in the church. Now, folks, I realize that the church, well, there's no church that I know of, no local church that I know of that's living up to this, us included. 
But the fact that we haven't experienced it yet doesn't mean it's not true. And the reason that I keep preaching on this is because I believe we're going to experience it. Again, there's no instruction. There's no requirement between what we would consider major diseases or minor diseases, big cases of healing versus little cases of healing, causes of sickness and disease or anything else. The one cause of sickness and disease is referred to as already covered in the same vow or declaration of faith. I believe there's something here that we haven't yet seen. At least I haven't seen in the way that we should. Because if this word is true, if this was given by the Holy Ghost, then every church, including this church, can be a place where there is no sickness and disease in any form, in any measure, or in any way. And I'm not going to give up till we get there. I believe we need to be upfront about saying we have a mandate to heal the sick. That's what the 12 had, wasn't it? They were commanded to heal the sick. They were commanded to preach the kingdom of God. It's God's will for things to be on the earth just like it is in heaven. We've got a mandate to preach the gospel of Jesus' finished work. And we've got the same mandate to heal the sick that the 12 had. We've got the same mandate to heal the sick that the 70 had. We've got the same mandate to heal the sick that Jesus had. Thank God that healing is available for the sick. No matter how serious, no matter how long term, no matter how severe, no matter what. Well, what do we do now? I think we've done a disservice. This is just my opinion. You judge this for yourself. You've got the Holy Ghost just like I do. I think we've done a disservice by trying to have healing lines in churches. Now, we meant well because we're trying to inspire people to believe. We're trying to give them an opportunity to act on their faith. But the Bible doesn't say let the elders call for the sick. It says let the sick call for the elders. And we're all at different places in our relationship with God and our knowledge of the word and in faith. I think a lot of times we put people under pressure when they're not ready. And usually it's because somebody acknowledges or claims to have a special anointing in operation well I feel the power of God tonight who wants their hand, who wants hands laid on for healing we'll say something like that but that's not part of these scriptures 
Thank God that could happen. And it has happened and it does happen in, in meetings and so forth outside of church walls. Because many of the times those meetings, conventions and revivals and so forth, have the unsaved much more so than the church does, church services. And God will do a lot of different things with the unsaved where he expects more from his children. So I think to a great degree, we've tried to duplicate healing services that are primarily for the unsaved. We've tried to make those things work inside churches. I saw tremendous things happen working with Brother Hagen in neutral meeting places and convention centers and things like that that I never could seem to duplicate and get to work inside a church. Well, he's got the same anointing. He's got the same call of God on his life no matter where he went. But meetings are different because the crowds are different. So I think to a great degree, we've tried to fit a square peg into a round hole. Well, what are we left with? We're left with the instruction given to us in the word of God. Let the sick call for the elders of the church. And let the elders praise God with them because of what Jesus has done. And the vow and declaration of faith shall heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise them up. It's not even your responsibility to get well. God raises you up. Amen. Well, let's worship God for a few moments. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's true. We thank you for the healing mandate you've given to the church, the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, that because we believe in your name, we believe in the truth of your word, the anointing to heal is always present in the church, this local church. We thank you, Father, that everybody that we lay hands on who receives the truth of the word of what Jesus has accomplished concerning healing and disease, healing of sickness and disease. We thank you that the power of God goes into them in a tangible way, whether it's felt or not. We thank you, Lord, that you raise them up. Thank you, Lord, that it's your will for not one of your children, not one of your children to be afflicted with sickness and disease. It is your will and certainly within your power to raise up every one of your children, no matter what the condition is, no matter how severe it is or how long it's been there. We declare that we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. We vow as a church family before you, Father, that we will heal the sick according to your instruction. We'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for it. But we will obey your word. We will do the work that you've given us to do. Thank you, Lord, that you are a healer. There is no sickness and no disease that's greater than the name of Jesus. And that name belongs to us. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Let's lift our hands and thank God for his goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that there's nothing that's too hard for you. In Jesus' precious name. Lord, there are those that are here that are standing in faith. That have been prayed for previously. We thank you that not one word of yours will fail them. Not one part of any scripture will fail to come to pass on their behalf. We join our faith together, Lord, that we are healed. In Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Well, let's all stand together. I think there's more for us to see. Maybe not see with the physical eye, and we might have it mentally. But oh, when we get a hold of it on the inside, there's going to be an explosion of the will of God taking place, the power of God in manifestation like we've never seen before. I believe that with all my heart. I truly do. Say it with me. The Lord is good, and his healing mercy endures forever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.